Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit oiebroadcasting.com and sign up today. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Dr. Lisa Hornick. In this episode, Dr. Hornick shares her expertise with intense pulse light, low-level light therapy, and other new sophisticated dry eye treatments. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell. Also, please leave comments. Be sure to watch our full-length documentary, Open Your Eyes, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube movies and shows. Let's move on to Regenerize, the new yeah. biologic, which is a very interesting drop. You know, we use amniotic membranes. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of an amniotic membrane almost in a bottle. Explain about it, what it does and what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So it's a biologic, um, which is used. Um, we actually get it from the components in stem cells from human placenta. So a biologic is something that very different from a regular pharmaceutical, and that's because it actually comes from living organisms and, and as opposed to just being made in a lab. And the living organisms that biologics come from are um, things that are come from humans, come from animals, and comes from microorganisms. So there's, um, again, this is a bioengineered drop. It's from human placenta. All the uh, biomaterials that it comes from, they are fully screened uh, from healthy pregnancies. And so there is, they are, they are very safe to use. So you don't have to worry about that. And the biomaterial that they use to make the drop are anti-inflammatory and immunomodulatory. So again, you were decreasing inflammation, similar to a steroid we're, we're getting in that vicious cycle and we're stopping that inflammation. Immunomodulatory is anti-inflammatory as well. So it works similar to a drop um, similar to CEQA or your Restasis or your Zydra. Um, and it is actually able to penetrate the ocular surface. So it's a really interesting, really exciting drop. I would use it in someone who maybe is similar to an Autolis serum is what we actually, you have to get it from drawing your blood. Many patients don't want to have their blood drawn, and so they don't like the idea of doing that. Well, this gives the great results, um, and it's just something that, that you can offer. Actually, you can sell it in your office, or you can. there's a prescription that you can send to the company if you write a prescription, and they'll actually drop ship it, send it to the patient's home. So it's very easy. It's, it's very convenient. Um, there are two different versions of it. So there's an extra strength, and then there's a light version. The extra strength does have to be refrigerated. And that's because as a biologic, 
they're not as stable. Anything derived from a living organism might not be as stable as your regular pharmaceuticals that have preservatives and things like that. So you wanna make sure that you keep this in the refrigerator. But there is a light version too. The light version does not have to be refrigerated. So if you have a patient who's traveling a lot and really likes to be on these drops, I would recommend maybe they get one of each. And once you open the drop, it's actually good for 90 days. So you do wanna keep one in the fridge, the other one, it would be great for travel. And we can prescribe this just sort of as needed. So my more mild patients, I might prescribe once or twice a day. And then my more moderate to severe patients prescribe four times a day. And it feels really good. It's very soothing. I've, I haven't had anyone complain of any side effects from these drops. It has a three-year expiration date. So I think that's pretty interesting. But yeah. I, I think it's important that people know that uh, the, the, the placentas after birth, that it's uh, informed consent and mm -hmm. uh, that, the, that the parents who are the mom that's giving the placenta uh, is has informed consent and has agreed to uh, donate the placenta for this. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, excavation of the meibomian glands. We have we yeah. have the lipoflow, the tear care, and the ilux. Tell us about how those are used, when they're used, and how effective they are. And if you could tell the difference between the three, if there's not if there is much of a difference between the lipoflow, tear care, and ilux. Yeah, so I have personal experience. I've used Lipoflow for many, many years. And when you have those patients, as we mentioned before, so there's the patients with meibomian gland dysfunction and they have that um, really thick, really impacted meibom, the oil that some patients, first we'll recommend um, a warm compress, but there are some patients, the warm compress isn't gonna do it. Um, and so what we do for them is we would recommend uh, the, sort of the best warm compress possible, which is something that we call a lipoflow. And it's a device that you put actually inside the eye, there's a corneal shield on there, and it delivers heat to from actually the back of the eyelid. So it delivers heat to the eyelid itself. And it's the perfect amount of pressure to really, or excuse me, the perfect temperature, the perfect amount of heat to really melt that mybum so we can get it out of the glands. And then it actually does a little bit of a, a squeezing, so a pressure. So it's more of a massage, it's very gentle. And what it does is it heats everything up first and then it massages and gets those oils to come out of the gland. So that's something that the doctor is not involved in really at all. They might only be involved in just putting the applicator inside the eye and then the machine does all the work. Um, a little bit different than your iLux, which the iLux, it's something that it's more uh, manual. So the doctor will use that, put it on the put it on the uh, eyelid and they'll actually squeeze it and get the myvum to come out. The nice thing about that is there's a light on there and a little sort of magnifying glass where you can squeeze it and you can actually see the myvum coming out of the gland. So that is, that's very satisfying to us as doctors um, and the patients that it feels good as well. Um, tear care is something different. So that is also something that applies heat to So it's a device that you put, right? You put the applicator right on the eyelid the, the 
kind of cool thing about tear care is that patients can have their eyes open. So if you have a patient who can't get the applicator into the eye, maybe they have very small, um, we call it palpebral fissure or opening of the eye and they can't get the device in, or there's some patients just really have anxiety about not being able to see for the 12 minutes that the lipoflow takes, then they can do the tear care and have their eyes open during it. So with that, it's gonna heat everything, but then the doctor does have to go in and do a manual expression after after the heat treatment. And the really uh, interesting thing is the tear care just got FDA approval for the use in dry eye disease management. Let's talk about an antibiotics that are used for inflammation around the eye, uh, whether it's oral, such as a doxycycline or mm -hmm. azocyte, which is more of a topical. Uh, mm -hmm. What role do they play in the treatment of yeah. Yeah, so, so they're for your more blepharitis patients, that, um, and they can have so they can be very helpful um, for a short term for a couple of weeks or so when we use them and we decrease that extra bacterial load. So the doxycycline, which is the oral antibiotic, we've traditionally used that um, quite a bit actually for our rosacea patients. Um, not so much for the antibiotic effect, but for the anti-inflammatory effect. So that word inflammation, it keeps coming up um, over and over again. Um, and patients that have rosacea, especially, that's going to help to decrease the inflammation. So the problem though that I've run into with doxycycline is it works really, really well for these patients, but it's something that they have to be on long-term. So they have to be on it for months. And I've had some patients actually that had to continue on it for years. Um, and patients just don't always like to take an antibiotic, even though it is a low dose antibiotic, they don't always wanna be on an antibiotic for months or years that's such a long-term. And how about azocyte? Has that fallen out of favor? Is it still used? I, I don't find it used as often anymore, yeah. And uh, punctal plugs for aqueous deficient, that was used a lot in the 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah. It seems to also have fallen out of favor, but it's very helpful for some patients. I absolutely agree. So um, the problem with punctal plugs is if there's a lot of inflammation, you don't want to plug up the puncta and keep all that inflammation in the eye. So if you can decrease the inflammation first with all of these other treatments that we've been discussing, then I do think there's a place for punctal plugs because there's some patients that um, they just are really truly aqueous deficient. So in other words, it's not so much the meibomian gland dysfunction, but they're just not creating enough of the watery part of the tears. So patients who have, have maybe Sjogren's or things like that, I actually have a patient who she has pretty severe dry eyes. So she uses scleral lenses to help kind of bathe the cornea in, in solution, in saline solution to give it that extra moisture. And she uses punctal plugs on top of her scleral lenses. And when we did that combination, that was the winner. Um, so I do still think that there's a place for punctal plugs, absolutely. But you just have to make sure we decrease the inflammation as much as possible first. You brought up scleral lenses. Tell us how that works, how they're fit and how successful they are for the, our dry eye patients. Yeah, so, so scleral lenses, I'm not a scleral lens specialist. I have a few scleral lenses um, that I've fit, but um, again, they're helpful for those patients that are really aqueous deficient because instead of a traditional contact lens where um, a lot of times contact lenses make our dry eye patients a little bit worse because they can pull moisture out of the eye, but a scleral lens actually fits, oh, it vaults over the cornea and fits onto the sclera or the white part of the eye. 
And we can fill that up with um, solution, saline solution. And so it's actually keeping moisture on the cornea and really protecting the cornea uh, for the whole time that they're wearing the lenses. Now, this being said, if it's a patient who has lid disease, like meibomian gland dysfunction, then we have to make sure that that is taken care of because if they have lid disease, they're still going to have dry eye symptoms, even if they have the scleral lenses on. But if you can take care of the lid disease and also add the scleral lenses, these patients are often very happy. And this might be the only thing that is helpful for them. And when do you go to a, a bandage contact lenses or an amniotic membrane? Yeah, so bandage contact lenses are, we're getting into the more, um, the more moderate to severe patients. These are more uh, step three or even step four. Uh, um, so we've kind of tried everything else. And I'll do my bandage contact lenses on a patient that has really severe, um, what we call SPK. So a lot of drying out or desiccation on that front surface of the cornea. And that is incredibly painful to patients. As we've mentioned before, the cornea has the most nerve endings of anywhere in the entire body. So if you think of, you know, if you have like an open wound on the corneal surface, it's very, very painful to patients. And so I'll sometimes put them in a bandage contact lens, bandage meaning um, really a band-aid, and that helps the ocular surface to heal. So they're not um, having the lid constantly interact with those open wounds um, or the environment interacting, like the wind environmenting with with those uh, open wounds. Um, same thing with a amniotic membrane. So amniotic membrane, if you have a very sort of that moderate to more severe dry eye, it's a really great device to help heal everything. Um, and so they have the membrane on for typically three to four days. Um, and then depending on what type of membrane you use, you might not need to take, uh, have them come back to take, there's a ring that it goes inside and so the amniotic membrane essentially just dissolves on the eye, and then you might have that ring left over that you have to take off for a Procara, for example. Um, but that also does a really great job of healing, healing that really uh, diseased front surface of the eye. Have they ever compared the drops, the Regenerize versus amniotic membrane, since since they're both, you know, yeah. since they're both biologics and a similar philosophy? That's a great um, question. I don't know if there's been a head-to-head -head study on them, but that would be that would be great. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. And for the really, really severe dry eye, there's something called torsorophy. Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. when there's all options are exhausted, uh, sometimes yeah. this is tried at least to get the patients out of the pain. If you could yeah. explain what that is. Right. So when you were just at your there's just nothing else. You've, you've tried everything that you can do. We often have to send them to um, an ophthalmologist, which is a nice surgeon. Um, and so what they do is they actually have to do surgery on the eyelids to um, close them a little bit. Um, and so there's not so much exposure um, to the air. So yeah, unfortunately, in those really severe cases, we, there's not a ton that we can do. Um, it is important to note too, as far as eyelid surgery, sometimes patients can have abnormalities in the shape of their eyelid. And sometimes we call them ectropian um, and entropian. So sometimes, especially in older patients, you might not have that laxity of the lid. And so they could be just kind of falling down like that. Um, and we send them to the surgeon to pull that back up and that can be very helpful. Um, or entropian, which is sometimes the eyelid turns in. And so the eyelashes can really rub against the front surface of the 
eye, that cornea, and, and just cause constant irritation. So we might send them to uh, what we call an oculoplastic surgeon, which is an ophthalmologist and a plastic surgeon that specifically deals with the eyelid itself. Um, and they can usually fix that for our patients. Let's talk now about one of the coolest things in optometry that that people have, the doctors have started using over the last couple of years, uh, uh, IPL, intense pulse light. The instrument looks so cool. The whole technique looks so interesting and mm -hmm. patients are doing great with IPL. So first start off with the history. How did they realize that IPL could actually help the eye? Absolutely. And IPL, I agree. It is, it's very exciting. Um, and it's, our patients are loving it. So uh, we're very fortunate. We um, got an IPL very early on and we've just been loving it for the last couple of years. Um, but it was a, an ophthalmologist who actually first really serendipitously noticed that all his rosacea patients that he was, his ocular rosacea, she can have facial rosacea, which is just the face, but then you can have ocular rosacea too, which is actually rosacea or redness, um, extreme redness on the eyelids. And so Dr. Toyos, he was sending a bunch of his patients to get this IPL or intense pulse light procedure done. And he, they were all coming back to him and they were saying, you know, what's really interesting is my dry eye symptoms have improved so much. Um, so it's not just that the rosacea is going away, but my dry eyes are better too. And it wasn't just one patient. It was patient after patient after patient. And he thought, wow, there must be really something to this. And so he started um, really following his dry eye patients that were getting IPL. Um, and after years and years and years, it, it was around, so 1994 is when IPL first came out as a medical device. And it had been used, like I said, for rosacea treatment. And it was 2005 that Dr. Toyos was really actively using it for his ocular rosacea or in the dry eye patients as well. Um, and then it just started, I would say within the last five years, it started to really take off in eye care. So it had been used in dermatology for many, many years, but within the last five years, especially, it's really taken off, Carrie, as you said, in the eye care space. And so um, it was really exciting. And last September of last year, we actually got FDA approval for the Optilite OPT technology from, it's a device from a company called Luminous. And that device in particular, it's FDA approved, not just for rosacea, ocular rosacea, but specifically dry eye disease and meibomian gland dysfunction. So in, in 2015 is when he realized that it could be used for the eye. So it's been used for about seven years now. It was actually 2005. 2005, he, okay. Yeah, that he uh, started using it really specifically for dry eye. Um, and Dr. Toyos was one of the ones who was instrumental in getting an FDA approved for dry eye disease as well. And what other uses can it be used uh, for uh, sunspots, uh, acne, hair reduction, some of the other use that they use it for? Not yeah, so, ocular, yeah. Ocular. In the, um, so like I said, it's been used in dermatology for a really long time, many, many years. Um, and so they use it uh, for rosacea, for the redness of rosacea, but they also use it for, um, it actually targets melanin in the skin. So they use it for little brown sunspots, sun damage to help clear that up. It brings the melanin to the surface and then it kind of sloughs off. Um, it's used to help with hair reduction. And it's also used to help with um, collagen and elastin production. So it does help with fine wrinkles as well. And people have these chronic styes called chalazion. Can it help mm -hmm. with that? It can help with that. 
it can help with that. In fact, that is in clinical trials right now to kind of prove that it does help with chalazion. Have you had any chalazion patients? Have you had any experience with that? We've had uh, just a couple, yeah, and, and some it was helpful and some it wasn't. I think it depends on um, if it's a newer chalazion, it's more helpful, but if it's been there for a very long time, uh, you know, months, it, it might not be as beneficial. Because otherwise the patient has, has to go for surgery. Exactly, yeah, which is a bummer. Explain how it works. How IPL works? Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm going to read you a quote uh, actually from Dr. Toyos. So he says that the mechanism is the light that is emitted is absorbed by the oxyhemoglobin in the blood vessels on the skin surface. That generates heat, which coagulates the cells, leading to thrombosis of the blood vessels. So basically what that's doing is there's a light. It's a very specific an intense light at a certain wavelength. That's why it's called intense pulse light. And I should kind of back up a little bit and just make sure that everyone understands it's a light and not a laser. It actually is within the visible light spectrum. So a lot of people are, have that misunderstanding that it's a laser, but it's actually not. It's, it's a light um, that we use with different wavelengths, different uh, filters. And so that's absorbed by the blood vessels on the skin surface. And it does generate heat. It can be warm. And that heat, what it does is it coagulates the cells or kind of brings them all together, leading to thrombosis um, of the blood vessels. So we're, what it's essentially doing is all those abnormal blood vessels, those extra redness and the, the, the thicker blood vessels that we have with rosacea, it's shrinking them and it's, it's cleaning them up, essentially, getting rid of them. And how often is it done? So we initially have our patients come in, we recommend four treatments, and we recommend that they're spaced out, um, usually three to four weeks apart. And the reason why we do that is because we found if they come in every two weeks, um, it, they're, they're not getting enough rest in between. And then if they go more than four weeks, um, their initial treatment might not be as beneficial. So there is a cumulative effect to each treatment. So that's why we really want them to have four treatments at a minimum and have them spaced out three to four weeks apart. Um, so they do that initial series of four. If you're a very um, more moderate to severe patient who has really bad rosacea, it might be a little bit extra, maybe five treatments or six treatments, but generally most patients only need four treatments. And then afterwards, they just come up for touch-up sort of maintenance treatments. And that can be every six months to a year. And you find that it does last, it takes the patient to six months? Some, it, most of the time it does last. Um, sometimes patients actually call us and they want to come in. <laughs> it's been only four months and they say, hey, um, I know it's only been four months, but I just really want an extra treatment. And we say, yeah, sure, you can come in. So it, it, it's up to the patient. It's up to their symptoms and how they're feeling. But I would say six months is a good average. MacU Health, your science born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. And how long does lipoflow, you know, the meibomian excavation yeah. last? Like lipoflow? Yeah. So lipoflow is, is different for every patient. But when we were doing lipoflow consistently, we would notice that every 
around once a year is when they need to come in for their lipoflow. Um, there are certain patients who, and it is very patient dependent. There are certain patients that might be able to go two or even three years without getting another lipoflow treatment, but there might also be patients who need to come in sooner than one year to get a lipoflow treatment. Um, and something very interesting what we found is the IPL does a really great job of decreasing inflammation. But on those patients that have that really thick mybum where it's really impacted, um, they might need a lipoflow in addition to their IPL treatment series. So we found that when we do, in those certain patients that really need it, when we do both treatments, there's this synergistic effect again, and it just becomes even a better outcome. And you mentioned rosacea. Uh, explain what rosacea is. Is it more common in males or females? Can you have eye rosacea? without having regular skin rosacea and the, uh, the percentage of people who have rosacea, how often do they have it that affects the eye or the eyelids? Yeah, so rosacea is very common. Um, about 16 million people have it. Um, and there's different types of rosacea. There's uh, usually, I think there's about four different types of rosacea. So you can have rosacea just on the face. Um, you can rosacea, have rosacea and it's just that redness, we call it vascular rosacea. There's another type of rosacea where it has little um, papules or pustules that can come out all around the face. There's your ocular rosacea, which is the redness around the lid margin, which can cause dry eye symptoms and meibomian gland dysfunction. Um, and then there's uh, that rhinophyma, uh, that big kind of WC Fields nose that we refer to. So that's a, a, na a nasal rosacea. Um, but about half of patients that have facial rosacea also have ocular symptoms. So it's, it's very common and it's very common for patients to have ocular symptoms as well. Um, it is equal, males and females. So typically we talk about females having more dry eye symptoms, um, but, but it's actually equal with rosacea patients, um, equal between the males and the females. 20% um, uh, of patients have ocular signs before they have skin science. So we could potentially be the first ones that are finding the rosacea on these patients. So um, once I, I realized that, I, I made sure to really, really look at, at these patients. And once you look for them, you we will find them. They are, they are there. Um, and they're very happy if you can diagnose their rosacea sooner than later, because it's something that will get worse with time. So if you can treat it and before it gets really bad, your patients are going to be very, very thankful. Um, and then actually 90% of patients um, uh, with, uh, so of the patients that, you know, that do have ocularization, 90% might only have minimal skin changes. So again, it's, it's very, very common in the eye care space. So just make sure that you're really looking for it. At what point do you decide you're going to treat it with IPL? We treat it pretty soon. Um, because it, it's just so helpful to these patients. And it's, it's, it's a great treatment option because it's non-invasive. Um, it's something that patients, you know, they're, they usually come to us, they're already on certain home therapies, they're already on eye drops, they're um, omega-3s, they're warm compresses, possibly prescription medications. And when we tell them that we have a procedure for them that is going to help them decrease, they might not be completely off their other medications, but we can definitely decrease all these other medications that they're having to take. They're very, very excited about it. So we, we treat them, we offer IPL very early on. It's actually step two um, in the dues to algorithm. And do we know what causes rosacea and, or what, and also what triggers it? 
we, we have some sort of an idea. So we don't have the exact cause of rosacea. We're a little bit unclear on that right now, but there are a lot of contributing factors to rosacea. So we feel that it's, um, there could be a malfunctioning immune response or sort of a hypersensitivity to something. It could be vascular system abnormalities, uh, that demodex that might that I was referring to earlier, if there's a lot of demodex, that can actually be a cause of ocular rosacea, which I found was very interesting. Genetic predisposition. So if a family member has it, you know, there's a good chance that you might have it as well. So if your mom, your sister, your aunt has it, uh, definitely ask your eye doctor about that as well. Something also really interesting I found when I was trying to figure out and doing some research, trying to figure out what the exact cause was, was there was a possible link to systemic inflammation. So Carrie, as you mentioned earlier, you know, systemic Im inflammation is, is sort of a root cause of a lot of eye disease, or excuse me, disease in general. So cardiovascular disease, autoimmune disease, neurological disease, GI disease, these are all inflammatory in nature and they can contribute to rosacea as well. Yeah, so we want to do things that could decrease inflammation, such as improve mm -hmm. our diet, exercise. Absolutely. Better. So we have, unfortunately, as Americans, we typically eat really high processed pro-inflammatory diets. And so we need to get back to those anti-inflammatory real foods, your fruits, your vegetables, your, you know, um, your salmon and fish, things like that. So definitely. And then you asked about triggers as well. So some rosacea triggers, in other words, you have rosacea, but things that make it worse can be harsh, windy climates. Um, if you have too much sun exposure. So this is different than a sunburn, but even if you're just outside for a few minutes you, and you get very flush, that could be a sign of rosacea. Certain alcohol, especially red wine can exacerbate rosacea, coffee, hot beverages, spicy foods. Um, hot showers can. So if, if you come out of a hot shower and you're very flush, or if you've been exercising and you just flush immediately, you, you could have rosacea. And how about IPL and meibomian gland disease? Can it help? How does it help that? It can. Yeah, it definitely can help. So what it does is it helps to, um, you know, liquefy. Well, first of all, we're decreasing inflammation, which is huge. And then it's, it's liquefying that mybum. So it does, it is helpful with um, getting the obstruction out of the mybomian glands. And how do you do it? So you're not getting too close to the eye. So you don't get a burn, you don't burn the eye. That's a great question. So we always do a, a test spot on patients. And the way we figure that out is we have them do something called a Fitzpatrick skin type questionnaire. So we figure out what their skin type is. And typically with IPL, we can very easily treat patients that are uh, skin type one, so very fair to around a skin type four. Um, skin type five is a little bit trickier, but there's new technology that's coming out that we can potentially treat some skin type fives. And then skin type six, uh, very dark is, we're not, not able to treat those right now. Well, that, but the Fitzpatrick is skin pigment grading. Is that exactly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, been using dermatology for a long time. Um, and so when we do that, um, as long as we have the right skin type, then we can pretty much be assured that we're not going to do any burning or any damage. The reason we can't treat those really dark, um, very highly pigmented patients is because as I said before, the light can um, 
it, it attracts to that pigment and it kind of pulls it up. And so we don't want to hypo pigment or turn uh, a patient lighter than we want them to. So we don't want to change the color of the skin. We're just decreasing the redness and inflammation. Um, but if we have that right skin type, we do, we still do a test spot. Um, so we, we do it um, usually on the neck and then we have them, we contact them the next day and we just make sure that there were no adverse reactions. So in other words, no burning um, or any problems like that. So you, it's normal to be a little bit pink or a little bit red right after the IPL treatment, but it should never, never burn or, or, or uh, cause, you know, um, an abrasion or anything like that. And does IPL help with bacterial load or demodex? It does. Yes. So IPL, um, it decreases the bacterial load from the heat that it generates, and it also can kill demodex. There's one study that it shows that it actually kills demodex. So IPL, and the reason we get so excited and we like IPL so much is because it treats my bone gland dysfunction. It treats demodex. It treats, um, you know, the inflammation. It treats rosacea. So you have, again, multifactorial, all these different factors that are causing the dry eye disease. And this one treatment is getting at so many different causes, root causes of dry eye disease. So it's, it's really, it's really exciting. And I think that's why we're getting such great results um, and really helping our dry eye patients. In between treatments, is sunblock recommended? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you want to, especially when you're doing treatments, uh, you want to make sure that this, there's no tan because again, it's treating the, the pigment of the skin. And if you're tanned at all, you're not going to get a, a good outcome. So absolutely SPF 30 or greater. Um, I have patients that always say, so do I need to wear SPF now for the rest of my life? And I say, yes, you do. You need SPF every day, 30 or greater, um, just to protect against so many things. But as mentioned earlier, the, um, the sun damage can be another trigger. So if you have a rosacea patient and they're always in the sun without sunblock, it, they're just going to keep getting worse and worse. Now, there's been some studies that IPL could help regenerate the meibomian glands, the same way Regenerize. There's yeah. been studies with both of those. If you could comment on that. There are, yeah, so there is a thought process that what the IPL does is it could increase mitochondrial activity um, and carry different cellular components in the glands to sort of upregulate up or improve the function and promote tissue regeneration. There's been a study, um, various studies actually, that definitely improves meibomian gland function. There's been many, many studies that IPL does that, but there are certain studies that also show that it increases um, or kind of improves the macrostructure and the microstructure of the meibomian glands, as well as decreasing inflammation. So these, these are smaller studies in number. Um, and there have been, so we're definitely improving the structure, but are we actually regenerating the meibomian gland? I would say that that is still up for debate and discussion. Um, we definitely need more studies on that. We were, Many years ago, when we first started looking into this, we were always told that once your meibomian gland goes away, that's kind of it. You're not getting anything back again, uh, which is really, um, you know, it's very sad because some of these patients that just don't have meibomian glands left, we had to tell them there's just not much we can do for you. Um, it would be really exciting and really great if we could regenerate those meibomian glands. I just don't know if we can do that yet. There have been some 
um, just anecdotal accounts of different doctors that I know that were getting very small amounts of regeneration, um, but I'm not sure if we can do it on a large scale. Definitely something to look into further. Have you guys done any pre and post mybography to see if you're finding any regeneration of the meibomian glands? We haven't. We haven't at this time, personally, not yet. So let's look at uh, low-level light therapy. These red light masks, uh, infrared as a heal as healing. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the low-level light therapy—that's another really exciting, interesting advancement in eye care. So low-level light therapy. It's been around for quite a few years in, in different specialties, but it's fairly new here in the eye care space. And so it uses something called photobiomodulation. And what that is, is so it uses various light sources. Typically in eye care, we're using a red light or a near infrared light. And photobiomodulation, so photo, light, bio, biology, and then modulation or changing. So what happens is this light, it's, it's um, eliciting photophysical and photochemical events at biological scales or levels. And there's some therapeutic benefits that come from that. So alleviation of pain, inflammation, um, immunomodulation, we've been talking about those two words quite a bit, um, promotion of wound healing and possible tissue regeneration. So the way that we use low-level light therapy in eye care is with meibomian gland dysfunction. Uh, we can use it for blepharitis to treat blepharitis, chalazion, and, and hordeolum. So it, it does also have some aesthetic benefits. As I, I should have mentioned too, I, IPL, it has an aesthetic sort of uh, side effects that patients really appreciate. Same thing with low-level light therapy. Um, as I said, it's very new in the eye care space. There are some studies though that are coming out that it does really improve those, the lid conditions, the ocular surface disease conditions. It does a really great job in combination with other therapies. So for example, if you're doing low level light therapy in combination with IPL, you have even better results. You know, in, in anti-aging medicine, they talk about mitochondrial health. Yeah. Some study that this actually may help and regenerate mitochondria. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, exactly. Uh, it's all about the mitochondria. <laughs> uh, uh, helping for wrinkles, psoriasis, for near infrared. Uh, uh, near infrared ha has been shown to be beneficial in uh, blood vessel dilation and may actually help with cardiovascular, may help with prevention of, of with blood pressure and maybe cardiovascular disease. Yeah, that's really interesting. Really great stuff. So with blue, now also blue light is being used, the blue light mass. Of course, we're always told that blue light is bad, but now right. we're using the blue light mass and blue light could be antibacterial, antiviral. Uh, if you right. could talk about that. Right, so the blue light, so that's where the, um, if you use the, the red light in addition to the blue light, that's where it helps with the blepharitis and the chalazion and the hordeolum. They, um, it's, they're bacterial based. So if, if you have anything that it's antibacterial, that's gonna be beneficial. Um, it, something, a, a really interesting point that came up was when with children, they oftentimes get these chalazion and the hordeolum, and we don't have a really non-invasive technique sometimes to help them. So we don't love to send children for surgery. We don't want to do it unless it's absolutely necessary. So if we have something that's non-invasive and it's actually pain-free as well, it's a really good option for children. 
So when you decide to use low-level light therapy versus IPL or to use them together, how do you decide? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, many times people will use them together. So they'll do their series of, um, you know, their IPL and then they'll do the low-level too. So the low-level light therapy treatments are only about 15 minutes long. Um, they can be a little bit longer with IPL because with IPL, we do have to put some um, protection on the eyes. We have to put some ultrasound gel um, on the face. So uh, I would say though, overall, they're probably about the same amount of time. Um, and then we're getting lots of improvements in the way the skin looks and even just one treatment of IPL, but you probably need two to three treatments to really notice the effects of dry eye improvements when you have IPL. Um, but you can notice improvements with your dry eye disease and meibomian gland dysfunction, even with just one treatment of low-level light therapy. And how about so how, how, is it, how is it with rosacea? Um, rosacea, it's it's not as effective. I, I would say the IPL is more effective with rosacea. Yeah, but a lot of times rosacea patients have dry meibomian gland dysfunction in combination. So that's why the combination works so well. And these masks are sometimes sold over the counter uh, on the internet. They are. How do you compare the difference of a professional grade yeah. one compared to these right. masks that are sold over the counter? Yeah, so it's just a higher quality. You know, when you buy things, um, you know, when it's medical grade, it's just a higher quality. You're not always sure what you're going to get when you buy something over the counter. So that's why I always recommend the medical grade. So something new is radio frequency for meibomian gland dysfunction and dry eye. Can you, uh, can you teach our audience a little about that? Yeah, so radio frequency, it's another one of those applications that's been used in dermatology for a very long time. Uh, it's traditionally used, you know, to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. What it does is it uses heat to stimulate collagen and elastin production and that radio frequency. So um, it increases the temperature of the skin. And the way that it works with dry eyes and meibomian gland dysfunction is the radio frequency devices, they actually tell you what temperature the skin is getting to. And so you're able to reach a therapeutic level temperature for our patients. And that heat, what it's doing is, again, it's helping to melt the mybum. Um, and it's also, we think, there's some studies that are showing that it is possibly potentially enhancing gland neural stimulation as well. So from a neurological standpoint, there's some stimulation also. Um, so, so there was the one study that compared radiofrequency with meibomian gland dysfunction patients to lipiflow, and it found that it, the radiofrequency had very similar um, positive results. If we go back to IPL, how, sure. is, how is the technique performed? You, if you still have to put the, 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 the uh, uh, gel on the face to perform it. We do, yeah. So we do have to put, um, for IPL, we have to put ultrasound gel on the face. Mm -hmm. uh, with the radio frequency, it depends on the device that you have, um, whether or not you need to. It, there's so many different radio frequency devices on the market um, that it, it's really just specific to the device. And with IPL, do you use the protective glasses to protect the eyes? Yeah, so with IPL, we can use, they're actually just little stickers. They are laser grade protection, but they're very easy. They just stick right to the skin. Um, and so then we're very um, easily able to do the nose and the cheeks. So we do something called tragus to tragus. So basically from one ear um, around the cheek to the nose and then to the other ear. And we do that two times. 
Then we also have, um, with the Optolite device from Luminous, we have a little pen that we can get really, really close to those. It's a, just a little tiny light that we can get really close to those meibomian glands. So we'll do that same thing. We'll go around the eyelid margin and then we'll go um, do that two times. With, you can also do the eyelid itself. So you're from your more moderate to severe rosacea patients that need the light right on, um, those really uh, abnormal blood vessels, the telangiectasias, there's a metallic corneal shield that we can put inside the eye and we can do the treatment right on the eyelid itself. So it just depends on the severity of the patient, which technique would use. So you use so many different techniques in your office <laughs> to treat dry eye showing how complicated it is. Uh, yeah. what, what's the patient's favorite? So right now, I would say the, the favorite is, is IPL. Yeah, they, they just really are getting great results from that one. And is there anything new in the pipeline that you could share with us that we should be looking for coming down the pipe? There's always new treatments in dry disease. It's, it's really, really exciting. Um, there's a new Demodex therapy that's coming out. That's in phase three clinical trials. Uh, there's this really interesting, it's, it's a selenium sulfide, uh, which is a keratolytic. So Oftentimes, meibomian gland dysfunction or dry eye disease patients will have hyperkeratinization of the lid margin. So in other words, there's kind of dead skin cells right there that are covering up the meibomian glands, and that's also getting the um, obstruction of the glands. And so the oils can't come up into the tear film where they need to be. So traditionally, what we would do for that when we see it is we put a little bit of green dye called lysamine green, and we would take what's called a golf club spud, a little tiny device, and we would really do a manual exfoliation. So we'd actually kind of scrape off very gently those dead skin cells. Well, this new possible drug that's coming out, it's in early clinical trials. So what that does is is a cream or an ointment that you put on the lid margin to do decrease that keratinization. So instead of having that manual debridement, it's a cream that you would put on. So all kinds of new exciting drugs that are in clinical trials coming out. Um, it's, it's a really fun, exciting time. Is there anything that maybe I left out that you'd like to share with the audience that you'd like to tell the audience? Um, I, I think covered quite a, quite a bit. Yeah, this was this was really great. Um, so all I have to say is, you know, if, if you're suffering from dry eye disease, just make sure that you bring it up to your optometrist on your exam. And there's so many things that we can do to help you out. I want to thank Dr. Lisa Hornick for joining me today. If people want to find out more about you, how can they do that? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram. Um, it's just at Dr. Lisa Hornick. So you can find me there. Um, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to connect and I'd love to answer any other further questions you might have. Well, Dr. Lisa Hornick, I want to thank you for joining me today. You're a wealth of knowledge. You were a fantastic guest. And this is Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes. Thank you for joining us today. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OYEbroadcasting.com and sign up today. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. 
This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. Each generation was supposed to be healthier than the last one. Lifespan was supposed to be increasing. We were supposed to be in this paradise by now. Instead of getting healthier and healthier, it seems to have gone the opposite way. Millennials were projected to be the first generation in history to not outlive the generation before them. We are certainly headed for disaster. I think a lot of people are beginning to question the whole story. We live in a time where the paradigms are shifting. And the optometrist, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets. The public doesn't realize about going to the eye doctor. So many different diseases actually manifest in the eye. The back of the eye is the only place in the body that you could actually see the blood vessels. Completely non-invasively, you can screen thousands of people, not just for their eye health, but for their whole body health. Because this disease is here, it's also gonna be here. And I can look into the back of my eyeball and there are expert doctors on the ground who are looking at my eyeball while I'm doing it. The eye is the canary of the mind. The eye is the kingdom. Will everyone please Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.